I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo Del Real, here with my partner, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's also an investor and the publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is the 211th episode of our weekly therapy session that we call Investing in Bizarro World. We're going to talk about the markets. We're going to talk about what we're investing in, what we're watching. We're going to talk about the state of affairs on the planet. Mr. Hodge, first and foremost, before we get to bashing Mr. Jerome and Miss Janet and uh, talk about the Trumpster and all the other things that are going on, including Golden Patriot, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Gerardo, watching these markets unfold, reveling in the volatility and the double speak from our uh, powers that be, and uh, generally just uh, enjoying life. How are you? Life is good. Life is good. I got to buy some more Patriot this week. It was a gift. I accepted the gift, you know, that, that, that the gift that keeps on giving. We had some news today. Um, family's healthy. The kids are healthy. Business is great. Life is good. I'm thankful. I'm, I'm content. I'm excited for the rest of uh, the year. And uh, I think it's going to get a lot more interesting here in the next quarter or two. I think by the time y'all watch this and read this, we're going to have another Blinken and maybe another double speak press conference from either Janet or Jerome because Janet already started Blinken today. Again, it's Thursday, March the 23rd, and she went from we've done everything to accommodate the markets and it's worked to we stand ready if anything were to happen over the weekend to get back in there and accommodate and be easy. And that happened within a matter of 24 hours. It did the, the double talk didn't get lost on gold, and I want to start with gold today. Um, gold surged, right? It blew past two thousand. It closed just below that peak. But gold, I said it off camera when we were talking a bit. Gold's looking sexy as all hell to me right here, Nick. You're the chartist amongst us, but um, gold looks good. Would really like to see it close above two thousand dollars on a monthly basis, uh, and so we're just a couple of days away from that. Um, next week is obviously the, the end of the month, and uh, and a close above two thousand would uh, be really bullish. And then it obviously needs to get above you know twenty seventy five or twenty seventy six to really um, go to the mood, as they say. Um, but um, you know, careful what you wish for, as uh, Rick Rule often says. You know, you can get gold screaming higher to twenty five hundred or three thousand bucks or whatever. Um, you've got significant other troubles in the, in the wider economy, and and obviously that's the case with. Uh, bank failures recently and, and rates continuing to go up and um, commercial real estate looking, um, you know, really shaky given those uh, how much of that is underpinned by, you know, mortgages and loans that now have higher interest rates. And so anyway, uh, gold is bullish and, and, and gold stocks are starting to catch a bit of a bit as well. We've tried to prepare you both in articles and editorials that both Nick and I have written for Daily Profit Cycle, which is a free site, by the way, dailyprofitcycle.com. Go check that out. Um, we've been saying this for about a month, that slowly but surely gold is looking much better uh, fundamentally, technically, and we're finally start starting to see some capital allocation into the sector, at least at the top, right? The, the, the creme de la creme, which is where the capital is always going to flow first. Um, it should be an interesting week next week. I think this weekend is going to be an interesting weekend. Um, we have to talk I silver. You, I bought I bought you and a friend of ours a gift this week. I got some little um, 
Credit Suisse gold bars with a Credit Suisse <laughs> stamped on them. So I saw that they were selling like hotcakes and I scooped a few up. <laughs> selling like hotcakes. I love it. And again, folks, look, let this be a lesson. We've been trying to tell you about gold when it bounced off of, you know, the the, the low 1700s, poked its head above 1800, surged to 19, then went to 1974, pulled back to the low 1900s. This is classic, you know, step ladder chart, right? Where it's going technically everywhere that it should go a little bit at a time. Yes, when moon, we would all love when moon to happen tomorrow. But again, like Mr. Rule says, be careful what you wish for. This is a much healthier step up, filling gaps as it goes. And I think it's a whole heck of a lot more sustainable if we do break 2075 because of how methodical the move higher has been. I expect an absolute blow off top that runs to 24, 2500 after that 2075 level in rather short order. Was interesting to see. Um, and, you know, it, I sort of live narrated it because we were having a call in yesterday <laughs> with with some subscribers. And, you know, I was saying during the call, which was right at the same time as the the Fed the, the press conference that, you know, he's likely going to hike by a quarter point. And then someone put in the chat little box like, oh, he just hiked by a quarter point. Well, then shit, right? That's what, what was he going to do? <laughs> uh, but what, what I was going to say is um, uh, gold responded favorably while Bitcoin sold off a bit. And that was very interesting to me because I, I was saying that as well, um, that, you know, Bitcoin really needs to get to 31 uh, to have a chance of breaking out. And then it needs to get to 34,000 to really break out. And that's a ways away. I mean, even though it's gone from, you know, around 20,000 to mm -hmm. 28,000, it's still not technically bullish. And I was saying that um, you know, gold is going to shine more as a safe haven. And that's exactly what happened. You, you saw Bitcoin tick back down to a, to a 26 handle while gold um, went on to, to continue higher. And so um, I still think those uh, crypto soldiers uh, have been in training for, for the gold army, especially as, um, you know, the, the government continues to try to clamp down on it. We saw the SEC send a letter to, to Coinbase just, just mm -hmm. this week or last week by the time you've watched this. And so um, they say, you know, crypto doesn't have counterparty risk. You hear that a lot. Well, it kind of does as the government counterparty that could, that can clamp down on it. But, you know, gold bars or, or, or gold doesn't, um, uh, have that. I mean, it used to a hundred years ago or whatever, but, um, I guess not even that long ago, but, um, gold is going to come shine as the true safe haven, especially when you get this, um, global testing of, of, of banks and, and bank runs and, um, banks having to come up with money and then selling their bond portfolio <laughs> at a loss or whatever. That's uh, that's like big boy safe haven time. That's not like, let's flood into crypto. That's like, let's go into gold. It's always the bond market, folks. It could be the regional bank. It could be reflected in the stock market. But at the end of the day, it's always going to be the bond market where the big serious action happens. Um, let me read the two statements from Jenny Yellen. Let me read the one from yesterday. March 22nd, and today, Thursday, March the 23rd. Here's Janet yesterday, <clears throat> the day of, you know, the Fed 25 basis point hike. As I said last week, the U.S. banking system is sound. The federal government's recent actions have demonstrated our resolute commitment to take the necessary steps to ensure that depositor savings remain safe. Sounds pretty balanced and fair and, you know, got a plan. All's good. Don't worry about it. We took care of business. It's a done deal. Here's the new paragraph for the very following day. She changed the prepared remarks, by the way. This is the new paragraph. As I have said, we have used important tools to act quickly to prevent contagion. And there are tools we could use again. The strong actions we have taken 
to ensure that, no, the strong actions that we have taken ensure that Americans' deposits are safe. Certainly, we would be prepared to take additional actions if warranted. Let me say something to everyone out there. Janet sees the stuff that's about to happen before most of us do. I don't think this paragraph policy change shift is an accident. I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't believe much in coincidence. And I think, again, I think it's going to be an interesting weekend over the weekend. It's interesting to me still, and we'll go back to the markets in a bit. You know, my brain works the nick by now. Um, the things people get upset about, right? There was a tweet by Trump where he said he thought he was going to get arrested on Tuesday. Classic Trump, right? I think, let me front run the arrest real quick in my indictment. And, you know, people were out in the streets and, you know, the NYPD was putting up barricades and everybody was taking security precautions. Bottom line, it didn't happen. Will it happen? I don't know. Um, I'm done keeping tra track of all of Trump's uh, legal um, issues, right? But it didn't happen, but people were ready to take to the streets and, and, and defend a politician that they've never met that likely doesn't give two you-know-whats about them, right? Yet, UBS bought Credit Suisse and they suspended the voters' voting rights. They eliminated the, eliminated the voting rights in order to get this deal done. They basically said to the voters, you know what, take a hike. We don't care how you would vote on this deal. This is what's been preordained and this is what's going to happen to make sure that the highest level executives are taken care of and have a job on Monday. And why people aren't in the streets about that is absolutely beyond me. Because if my capital was there and it was my money that was my money's, you know, voting rights that were suspended. Sure. I, I'd be hot as all hell about this stuff. And it kind especially, of, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. I've had it. No, especially when the deal gets done at, you know, a certain percentage below what the shares were, you know, trading at. I mean, you know, shareholder rights are a thing. And when you buy into um a, a company you have a right right one share one vote that's the that's sort of the uh agreement right it's a publicly traded equity or a publicly traded uh, security or stock um and you're supposed to get your say and yeah i was thinking about that too this week you know the uh, the rules are all uh, fine and good until they're not right and then um they just steamroll you i literally change the move the goalpost or change the rules to the game as it's being played and um, that's what's scary when you get into situations like this. And, and again, that's a it's a vote of confidence for gold, which doesn't which the rules don't change. It's a um, that's sort of why gold is gold, because it's universal, ubiquitous, fungible. It doesn't tarnish. It doesn't change all that sort of stuff. Let's uh, we have to we have to get into the overall markets. But I just want to highlight one thing. Um, Kramer said short the Nasdaq at these levels I said this last week and invite me to your funeral right we're going to see how that works out over the next three weeks he also said when Bitcoin was at 18,000 I would sell any remaining Bitcoin to my portfolio right now and here we are I think it kissed 28,000 the last that I checked not that it can't pull back folks I have no you know dog in the race here no horse in the race I don't own any Bitcoin yet I don't own anything in the NASDAQ yet. I prefer to buy the things that are going to go to the companies that need the things to make their products, to make their earnings calls, right? That's just my simple brain works that way. But I always find it amusing when he makes calls like this uh, because he did this, you know, Silicon Bank thing. And, you know, uh, I mean, the guy. Even, even in NVIDIA, I think I saw someone <clears throat> pointing out this week where he was saying, 
get out of NVIDIA when it was below 200 and now it's like, I don't know, 250 or 280 and he's back bullish on it, right? Like a 50% move higher later. Um, and for what it's worth, I'm currently short the, the NASDAQ. So <laughs> hopefully you don't have to come to my funeral. Let's uh, let, 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 let's keep an eye on that. Overall markets, overall indices. Um, I know what you're going to say, Nick, but I think there's a lot of people that listen in that want to hear what you have to say. And then we're going to talk energy because you've been spot on about that as well. But what do you see for the overall indices? Do you see you know, the Fed, Jerome and Janet uh, as as kind of like a white knight that's going to come in and backstop everything and make things float to the top again, the way that Kramer thinks it's going to happen? Or, you know, do you prefer to rely more on math and earnings numbers and multiples and things of that nature that seem archaic in today's world, but actually still serve a very, very useful function when deciding how to allocate capital? I'm more bearish now, I think, than, <laughs> than I even uh, was last year. And uh, we had to endure this bear market rally that went on uh, from October to February, but then you know February sort of um, smacked bulls in the ass, and 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 you had this banking crisis and morphing into a credit crisis. Um, you know it, you haven't even gotten into Q1 GDP yet, which you'll get in in April. Remember they revised Q4 down. Uh, <laughs> just the 2.9% two, was was Q4 GDP growth, still positive. It's going to be really close to zero on a quarter quarter, quarter of a quarter basis for Q1. Um, and you'll likely see that again in, in Q2. So um, bearish. And I think people are going to need liquidity, right? I was talking oh. about, you know, commercial real estates, like, um, People are going to need to sell stocks to to make payments, and furthermore, from a um, a non fundamental but more of a, a psychological perspective, we haven't had the capitulation yet, right? Like you still have got people buying Tesla short dated calls. You still got people rushing into these meme stocks. I don't know if you saw what GameStop did over the <laughs> past week. Yeah, uh, that's not like a, a bottom. That's you know you don't bottom with <laughs> meme stocks still still attracting buying like that. So. Um, I had said once upon a time that I think we need to test those March 2020 lows in the S&P. Um, and yeah, I, I'm not scared, but I'm, I'm, I'm not optimistic at all. Like definitely bearish and have uh, raised a bit more cash and being much more selective about things for sure. Let's, um, what about you? Well, you know me, I stick to my knitting, right? <laughs> I, I, I keep it simple. I look at all this stuff and I'm just amused by the chaos. And I don't mean that to disparage anybody that has, you know, serious capital in a 401k that is exposed to money managers and ETFs and restrictions that what they can and can't buy and doesn't have the time to do due diligence or the network, you know, to be able to invest their own money. So I, I, I definitely don't want to come off as that person. I don't want to disparage those people. That would look at my comment and say, well, fuck you, Gerardo Del Real, who has time to do all his own investing. I don't have that luxury and I'm really worried. And, I, you know, for those people, I would say you you probably are, 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 are you know, well served by listening to Nick because he keeps an eye on the broader indices. And, and frankly, because he's been spot on for the last couple of years on this stuff. So, yeah, is there, you know, is there a reason to be cautious? Absolutely. As it relates to me personally, again... I just keep buying and writing checks for the stuff that I know these companies are going to need to rebound in any meaningful way. You know, I, I think logically, and I think maybe not so logically, but I think a Tesla or I think a, a NVIDIA or any, you know, a chip company, a Gigafactory or whatever it is, 
if these companies are going to continue to make the earnings and hit the multiples that are going to allow them to reach higher valuations to keep their shareholders happy, they're going to need to buy the stuff from somewhere. And there's not a lot of that stuff, right? Even copper's cap caught a good bit. It's up to 407 with some people calling, you know, for 12,000 a ton here in the next 12 months. Um, but, you know, whether it's copper, whether it's lithium, whether it's graphite even, um, I look at all these commodities and I go, well, if the overall indices are going to recover, then the markets over here that have been drastically underexplored and underinvested in, the commodities markets, uranium, lithium, copper, they have to catch a bid. And if they do catch a bid, the bid is going to be disproportionately higher than the bid by a blue chip. So I just keep writing checks for the companies that already have amazing deposits. Patriot, I'll give you all your Patriot update right now. I was going to ask for it, yeah. Patriot just put out a release that's setting everyone up for next week for, for some phenomenal last year results. If, it not, if it's not next week, it'll be the week after that. And, you know, we'll talk about my interview with Blair yesterday, uh, or this morning, I should say. Um, but let me read the release. They just extended the strike length of just the CV5 pegmatite to 3.15 kilometers, right? Only three kilometers? 3.15 kilometers, another 550 meters since February, all right? And look, let's just get right to it. When, when I interviewed Blair this morning, a couple of things stuck out. This is the first time that publicly he's actually said, there's nothing, because I asked him straight up, do you see anything not, that 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 indicates that CB5 doesn't collect connect to CB4 one and a half kilometers to the east. And he goes, thus far, there's nothing in the drilling or the geophysics or the, 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 the work that we've done on the ground that disproves that. And they're only a kilometer and a half away from joining what would be a nearly five kilometer trend. That's to the east. Now they're also drilling and they have a rig now over on the west side where they've also had some great hits with some great grades. And they're looking to extend that I'm going to continue with my very technical analysis that says this is all one big blob underneath. If all we ever get is CV5 to CV4, five kilometers there, I think there's 200 million tons there, Nick. And if we have 200 million tons, you have a top five, you know, argrock lithium spodumene deposit in the world. Maybe top three if it right. pushes towards 250. If it pushes to three and 400, then you're, you know, you're talking top, top tier. This is on five kilometers of the trend we're ignoring the whole west side of it so if we're talking just three to five kilometers of trend that's been explored and there's another 50 to go look at and they have 50 million dollars added to the treasury on top of the 15 or so that they have sitting in warrant money that's going to come in soon and you know whatever's in the treasury that's 60 to 70 million dollars of cash where the bulk of that's going into the ground that flow through financing that people were complaining about at 22 bucks a share all of that has to go into the ground. So when I look at Blair and I saw an interview with Ken recently and, you know, we had conversations at PDAC and they didn't say anything privately. They haven't said publicly, but the confidence in being able to now start talking about the potential for not just a Boise's Bay type situation, which eventually became a $4 billion discovery, right? We're talking, and I'm talking buyout, not the value of the metal in the ground. Um, uh. I think there's some potential here for multiple Boise's Bays. And look, $4 billion gets us to nearly 40 bucks a share. That's what $4 billion gets us at. I, I, I think there's a damn good chance that, uh, and Blair said this, that they haven't even discovered the best ore body of lithium spodumene bearing pegmatites, but they're looking this summer. And so I think Wait. this summer is a transformational pivotal year 
that's really going to demonstrate just the broad, broad scale of this thing. And the last thing that I want to say, and then he alluded to it in the interview, is they, they're, they're not discounting multiple production scenarios where a CV5 is maybe you know, mined by a company or a chemical company or a mining company, and maybe a CV-13 is mined by a different group, depending on how big that is, because that's a new discovery that they're also drilling towards now. And maybe if they discover something else, you know, 20 kilometers away, that's not a standalone operation. So slowly but surely, what I hoped would happen, and nobody knows until it starts happening, right? What I hoped would happen, and this is really starting to manifest, which is a scenario where we have multiple standalone deposits. You got to remember, Companies that have three, four hundred million dollar market caps, great companies like Critical Elements, right? Yeah, it's a thirty or thirty-two million ton deposit, which is a phenomenal deposit. The metrics, the economics around that are absolutely fantastic. The value of the metal, the the, the value of lithium in the ground, the IRR, yeah, the payback time is phenomenal it's on like thirty-two a $2 billion dollar NPV, yeah, right. And I think CV thirteen is that at least. And nobody's even caring about CV-13. They're treating that like, you know, 50 meters of one and a half percent lithium, whatever, because they're so spoiled by how rich CV-5 has been, and especially this Nova zone that they've tapped into towards the east. Um, it's a special situation, folks. And when I get, you know, pullbacks like the one I told you would come, and now I'm telling you, you're probably going to see new all-time highs in the next week or two. Um I add, and I, I'm adding, you know, Nick, uh, I'm adding to an already very robust position, right? I, I still have 95% of my original position on any given week. I'll add five, ten thousand 10,000 shares when I get 30, 40, 50% retracements like we just got, because that's the trading pattern it has been for the past year. It likely will continue to be for the foreseeable future, even with the phenomenal assays, because it's a fun stock to short if you play that game. I'm in it for the long term. I'm in it for that buyout. I still think it happens at nothing less than 50 Canadian. Um... And that might be conservative if we find another CV5 somewhere or connect the whole thing. I um, followed you in last week after you said you had bought some more. I was watching the chart. It got a little cheaper. I was able to scoop some up in the low $10 Canadian range. So that's already paid off well. Um, and an IRA, that. So I love that. Um, two things. You had... Um, you said before that, you know, it's, it's such a, a vast land package. You know, what are the chances that they drilled into the best part of it on the, you know, the first campaign or whatever, right? So um, there's a lot more to explore. And the other thing I heard um, Blair say in the interview you did with him is something else you've alluded to is, you know, why the assays haven't come out yet is because um, they, they've got to confirm essentially because they're, I don't want to say so high grade, but high enough grade that they want to be doubly sure that uh, the numbers are correct. So if you read between the lines there, that's uh, uh, pretty inspiring as well. And then you mentioned the interview with um, uh, Ken Brisden, right? Yes, 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 yes. Um, that yes. was on the Rockstock channel, which is uh, done by Howard Klein, who does a great job. And we actually Phenomenal. met him in New Orleans several years ago. He came to a talk that we did and, and hung out and was... Um, Banging the drum the on Piedmont. You were right, Howard. Piedmont. Yes, he, you were banging right. the drum on the table on Piedmont. You were absolutely right. Kudos to you. And lo lo love the program, by the way. Great work. Yeah, so they had a, a like a online webinar the other day, the Lithium Conference, essentially, yeah. on his YouTube channel. And that's where that interview was. And I listened to it almost live. I had to pause it here and there. But yeah, he was saying, you know, it likely could, not likely, but potentially could be all connected underneath, right? I mean, you just got to look at the trend. It's all on the greenstone, you know, that 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 belt that we like, right? 
the belt that's going to be very important for other companies, by the way, in James Bay. I mean, there's a lot of neurology plays, and I joked on Twitter earlier that you know there were going to be 50 companies congratulating Patriot on their on their news today. But you know, you you want to make sure you find the right Raj. You mentioned that interview with Ken and the one with Blair um, on on Howard's channel on that show's channel, and you know they both said, sure, there's a potential for other significant discoveries in James Bay, but up until now. We know what geology will dictate, you know, those discoveries. Doesn't mean there can't be other ones in a different host rock. But for now, there's they're, they're few and far between. There's not a lot of companies that have significant land packages on these host rocks. For me, it's simple. It's kind of like when we talk about gold rearing its head above 2000. Yes, if you want the lottery ticket, you go and you allocate some capital to the speculative plays that maybe are on to discovery. But if you want the immediate returns, the creme de la creme is always going to rise first when the capital rushes into the sector. And right now, the Patriots like creme de la creme Winsome had some excellent results this week. And then Patriot puts out its release and it's like, OK, your 50, 60 meters are cute. We're sitting on assays to probably have, you know, 100 meter plus and we're having to reassay because it's over the limit. And, you know, here's here's Blair's quote. He said, um, We've drilled over 20,000 meters. That's almost as much as we drilled all of last year. So as the assay starts flowing in, as everyone knows, the assays come in in a normal four-week turnaround time. However, as the results are, how should we say, more impressive than sometimes, those turnaround times take longer because they have to retest. It's just a simple over-limit situation. He didn't even hide it. He's telling you it's an over-limit situation. And he didn't say assay. He didn't say one hole. I know what he said. Yeah, he said <laughs> Says, I know you know, I know, I know. I want the people that are like, well, we see the chart and it went from 16 cents to this high, and now it pulled back. I'm just telling you, there's a lot more, there's a lot more beat meat on that bone, but you do with that as you will. Um, that's that's my patriot take. Good, good. What are you I'm watching in the market? Same, same, very much so. Mm, um, I, I think we sort of covered it. Uh, I'm looking for, for more weakness ahead. Um, I'm looking for some other things to to break. You know, the Fed sort of had a choice: break more things, <laughs> or you know, ab abandon their mandate and um, capitulate on their you know two percent inflation target. And then more things are going to break. So it's good to see what um, that is. Um, yeah, um, I think that's about it. I think we did pretty good. Yeah, let, let, let me, I want to highlight something really quick because I'm looking at a chart, right? I'm looking at, I, I always say, watch what people do a whole heck of a lot more than what people say, right? Believe what they do, not what they say. So the Fed on March the 22nd, yesterday during his press conference, he said, we will keep reducing the balance sheet as planned. And so when I pull up a Fred chart of total assets, a balance sheet there, they've increased it by $93 billion <laughs> this week. And they've increased it by $400 billion in two weeks, folks. I can't make this stuff up. And so, yes, if I look at a chart, you know, of, of, of you know, the past year, sure, they've decreased it. It's increased by $400 billion in the last two weeks. You can say it was necessary. Uh, I'll say it's going to continue to be necessary. Jerome Powell said something that was interesting to me. He said, Rate cuts are not on the table, but we are prepared to adjust monetary policy as the markets dictate. And what do you think the markets are going to take that as? Punish me. Punish, <laughs> punish me and I'll use the safe word. That's what the mark that's what the markets are going to take that as. And believe you me, the whips are coming out. And I think they're going to come out sooner rather than later. So Jerome, get your safe word together. Yeah. Um, I think options uh expiration was today and 
And it's going to get interesting, man. You know, I, I say I think we covered it. You know, I watch a lot of things. Um, we've been talking about how cheap uranium stocks are. Um, finally put a buyout on one last week that hasn't hit the, the buyer in the price yet, but likely could amid more carnage. So I'm watching that. Uh, and watching other people, you know, make fools of themselves, right? You know, I, you know, I watch these other videos and, and read other newsletters and things and people talking about now's the time to buy oil or, uh, you know, REITs are a great value. It's like, no, man, there's not a lot that's bullish out there. Oil's going down for a reason. Like REITs are struggling because, you know, what I already was talking about, about commercial real estate and interest rates. Like there's just not a lot that's bullish out there when you look at the, the sectors of the S&P, certainly not, you know, consumer discretionary, certainly not real estate. It's like there's not a lot um, uh, to do. And so uh, continue to sit on a, on a large cash position. I'm making my lists, but um, there's some more things that have to play out here. And, and, and that's what I'm watching for. Things will continue to break. I can't tell you exactly what all those things will be, folks. But I can tell you that when you have this many talking heads at the very highest levels of finance, monetary, and fiscal policy out telling you that things are okay. Things are not okay. Um, I hate to leave you with that, but again, for those of you that- well, Yeah, I don't know. Have at it. Please change the tone or well, add to it. One of the two. Oh, gas I was going to follow up on- <laughs> I was going to follow up on something you asked me about last week. So go ahead, finish up on the market. No, 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 so no, no, no. That, 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 that's it. I just, you know, I wanted to say, just be careful out there. If, if you are indeed subject to these restrictions on trading and you don't invest your own money, make sure you're grilling your money managers and your fund managers and the people that oversee your capital on exit plans and strategies, because it's going to become increasingly important, folks. Yeah. Yeah. And some of those 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 institutions or entities have mandates to be uh, invested a certain percent. They have yep. to have whatever. Yep. 90, 95, 98% invested. I'm not sure if that includes like money markets or, or, you know, short-term bond funds or whatever, but, um, yeah, that's where you want to be. If you're not just holding your cash, you know, in a, in a UUP, for example, or like a BIL, which is like a, you know, a zero to three month treasury that doesn't really fluctuate. I mean, it might go from, you know, $99 to a hundred dollars, but it doesn't, it doesn't fluctuate and pays you like a 2% yield, um, or whatever it is. It's, um, yeah, that's where we're at. I mean, it's 2008 type stuff has been happening, certainly as it relates to the size of the banks that have failed and as it relates to the volatility that's in the bond index. Most of those things are on par with 2008. So um, some more things to play out. Um, but you had asked me last week and you froze it on the screen. I hope you come back to me and it's still recording. But anyway, uh, you had asked me last week about... Um, a gentleman that owned Pornhub. You said I, I was talking about... Uh, that I knew the gentleman who owned Pornhub. Pornhub. That wasn't the case. Um, I went and looked it up, and we had talked about it on a podcast. It was um, a gentleman named Chuck Rafici uh, was potentially going to buy Pornhub through uh, a Canadian entity that he owned. And Chuck Rafici was uh, one of the co-founders of, of Tweed that, that went on to become Canopy Growth and was ultimately um, one of the, the, the largest wheat companies in the world. So he ended up not buying it. That was like a year or a year and a half ago. And, um, another Canadian entity ended up buying it last week, which is what you were asking me about. So it wasn't the, um, you know, owner or co-owner of Pornhub that I knew it was Mr. Rafici who, um, was potentially interested in buying it. So, um, that's what that was all about. Um, it looks like I'm on my own now, folks. So uh, I'm going to cap it off without Mr. Del Real. I don't know if he lost his connection or his internet dropped out or what, but 
Uh, we just hit the 30 minute mark and uh, this was episode 211 of investing in a bizarro world. If you like the things you see here or hear here um, and you want more, please go to Daily Profit Cycle. Uh, sign up for that newsletter. We send it out every day. There's there's reports on different sectors of the market. And of course, um, at digestpublishing.com, both Gerardo and I have our own paid publications that that focus on different sectors of the market and different risk appetites, et cetera. So i uh, going to leave it there. Sorry we had to end without uh, Gerardo, but I'm Nick Hodge uh, speaking for uh, my partner, Gerardo Del Real, and that was episode 211 of Investing in Bizarro World. See ya. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one and share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.